0: The long war in Iraq may finally be coming to an end. Our War Stories team was there when it started in 2003 and has chronicled how it's been fought ever since. I'm Oliver North, and in this War Stories podcast, you'll hear from those who endured some of the bloodiest combat in history. This compelling podcast of War Stories was compiled during six lengthy embeds with U.S. forces in the land between the rivers. You're there with the Marines on Operation Matador as they go hunting for terrorists along the rat lines near the Syrian border. You'll meet Iraqi commandos and security forces and hear in their own words how they perceive the war on terror is going. Go inside with us on joint raids in the city of Ramadi where tips from local citizens help the seizure of weapons caches and terrorist propaganda. And we'll pay tribute to those who have made the ultimate sacrifice in Iraq so that others may live free. Welcome to War Stories. I'm Oliver North, coming to you from Fallujah, Iraq, once one of the most violent cities on Earth, its population held hostage by brutal terrorists. Today, Fallujah is a show place for Iraqis and Americans working together to bring stability to this war-torn country. War Stories joins them as they patrol the streets and conduct security operations side by side. But as you'll also see in this episode, the work of the coalition isn't finished. We'll go with U.S. Marines to Iraq's remote western border with Syria on an operation to secure that lawless region. And we'll join U.S. soldiers and Marines and brave Iraqis taking on the enemy in Ramadi, capital of Iraq's largest province. See how Americans and Iraqis working together have changed the face of war in Operation Iraqi Freedom. This is one face of the war in Iraq. And this is the new face of the war in Iraq. These are the faces of Iraq's future. In November of 2004, Fallujah looked like this. Today, on War Stories' sixth trip to the front lines of Operation Iraqi Freedom, we're greeted warmly by Sheikh Khalid, chairman of the Fallujah City Council. Welcome no, uh, Fallujah. Welcome in Fallujah, sir. Thank
1: you. Okay. You can be welcome, sir, anytime, anywhere.
0: The Fallujah City Council, fledgling democracy in action. The 17 members are replacing violence with good old-fashioned politics. It's the terrorists' worst nightmare, Iraqi citizens building their future.
2: We have to work together to solve the problems of Fallujah.
0: In terms of governance, uh, Fallujah's been kind of a success story. Colonel Charles Gergenis commands Regimental Combat Team 8 of the 2nd Marine Division. He's helping these people stand on their own. It's a representative... Uh, form of government. It's made up of different uh, people from different elements of society. Some seats reserved for sheikhs, some reserved for the imams, some for the business uh, leaders, some for school teachers. Fallujah has made enormous progress since those dark days when it crawled with terror cells and murdered victims were put on display. Throughout much of Al Anbar province, an area the size of Wyoming, American and Iraqi forces worked together hunting terrorists and providing security for the Iraqi people. Some days are more peaceful than others, but the Iraqi people appear determined to move forward. Iraqi people make Iraqi future.
3: You've been here before. Eight months last year. Definitely more
0: peaceful now than, say, last fall. Lieutenant Colonel Eric Smith commands 1st Battalion, 5th Marines in Ramadi, the capital of Al Anbar his troops run daily joint patrols with iraqi soldiers
3: there are iraqi security forces now that were not here last year iraqi army battalions iraqi intervention force and uh some degree the iraqi police
0: give me your sense for the iraqis for
3: eventually assuming control of their own destiny well 100 percent that they're going to do it that is going to happen uh the question is when in some number of months these guys are going to be operationally capable on their own never to our level but to a level that's acceptable for Uh, the situation
0: here in iraq today some of those working side by side with americans were once in saddam's army but it wasn't always so after the fall of the dictator the decision to disband his army was controversial
2: i did not demobilize the army the army was demobilized by itself it didn't exist it would have had to have been called back to service
0: using former enemy soldiers to rebuild their countries nothing new After World War II, the Allies used tens of thousands of Germans who once were Wehrmacht troops to help repair their country's infrastructure. Now our troops are working with those who once fought against us in today's Iraq. I think
3: once having been in Saddam's army is very different than still being a follower of Saddam. If you were once in Saddam's army, that's okay. (laughs) you were a skilled artillery officer, a skilled infantryman, or a tanker, we can absolutely work with you. There's no problem with that.
0: Do you see an increased intelligence value in having them
3: out there in the street? Absolutely. When I'm at a checkpoint and I see a car full of uh, what we call MAMs, military age males, we stop them and talk to them. Um, I don't pick up the fact that he's from Mosul or that he's from Jordan or that he's from another country, but the Iraqi security forces will.
0: How are you doing, sir? How are you, sir? Uh, Colonel sir. Ahmed. Oliver North. Channel Fox. Colonel Ahmed leads the battalion of special police commandos in Ramadi.
2: The Iraqi forces can be successful because of their new training. Day after day, we can control some part of Iraq ourselves.
0: Is Ramadi more peaceful today than when you arrived here?
2: In the past, there were no Iraqi forces in this city. We came here about six months ago. We work well with the Americans. Uh, and have had some success here. There's absolutely a greater acceptance because now there's Iraqis
3: out there. This is not, you know, 35 foreigners with one interpreter. This is 20 Americans and 20 Iraqis. Absolutely a difference.
0: We have them fully integrated at the platoon and company levels. I mean, every, every patrol that we go on, Iraqis are on, every patrol that Iraqis go on, we're on. They bring an eagerness to learn, and they bring a big heart. As democracy takes hold in places like Fallujah, other parts of Iraq remain a haven for terrorists. Along the Syrian border, U.S. troops take on the enemy in fierce desert battles. Operation Matador is next. The violent Sunni triangle includes much of Al-Anbar province, but where Iraqis and Americans are working together, it is safer. However, in the far west, the city of Al Qaim is an island of lawlessness. Located 380 miles west of Baghdad in the harsh remote Al Jazeera desert, Al Qaim straddles the Euphrates River, which snakes into Iraq from neighboring Syria, less than 10 miles away.
4: It very much is the Wild West. This area had, for a long time, well before we got here, been a region where, you know, the border has smuggling and and basically criminal traffic.
0: Lieutenant Colonel Tim Mundy commands the 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines in al Khaim. He's well aware how these old smuggling routes from Syria, known as rat lines, are used today by terrorists. This tends to be an area where they seem to want to come and do some
4: training, you know, build. Uh, you know, vehicle bombs, things like that. We controlled
5: a significant portion of the al Khaim area, and in that area, foreign fighter operations were limited.
0: Major John Reed is the executive officer of 3rd Battalion 2nd Marines.
5: North of our area, the foreign fighters created a safe haven for themselves that supported insurgency operations into the heart of Iraq.
4: There just is no functioning police. It's us against uh, the insurgents.
0: 7 May 2005, Regimental Combat Team 2 launched Operation Matador, a major offensive in this terrorist stronghold. It's the largest coalition attack in six months. Right on them! 3rd Battalion 2nd Marines leads the attack. What was your battalion's mission in Operation Matador? To wipe
4: out those foreign elements and
0: take their supplies away. To open a logistics route north of the river, the Army's 814th Bridge Company spanned the Euphrates with a pontoon bridge, allowing Mundy's troops to advance where few had gone before. Not many Marine units have done
4: river crossings and combat operations in uh, recent history, so uh, that was very
0: different. With the 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines now deployed on both the north and south side of the Euphrates, Mundy was ready for battle. Let's go! A thousand Marines, soldiers, and sailors swept west on both sides of the Euphrates toward the Syrian border. We're basically pushing straight out in front of Rea to the west. The troops fought from village to village, house to house, rooting out enemy terror cells. Though it couldn't be confirmed, some believe the notorious terrorist Abu Musab Zarqawi was wounded during this operation. 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marine was given additional assets. What role did they play?
5: I had a full mobile assault platoon of heavy gun trucks, a total of approximately 50 Marines with a lot of firepower. I also had a tank section, but we also used aviation uh, capabilities to lift logistics forward.
0: The unit also had AAVs, tracked amphibious assault vehicles. This is what one looks like from the inside. Combat loaded, it weighs 26 tons and carries up to 25 Marines. Not all of the weapons employed were lethal. The Marines also used an Army Psychological Operations, or psyops unit. What was the task of the Army Psychological Warfare Unit? They do more than
5: just broadcast messages. They can influence the minds, the thoughts, and the decisions of people in the battlefield uh, and force them to either fight or not fight. At times, we were capable of sorting out, if you will, non-combatants from insurgents and foreign fighters.
0: Two days into the operation, enemy desperation became evident. Staff Sergeant John Francis of 2nd Platoon Weapons Company was on a night operation in the front seat of his Humvee. We were getting ready to make a left-hand turn. We were hit uh, t bone by a truck, a, a suicide vehicle. A Marine in the next Humvee caught the attack on tape. Whoa. During the explosion, there was fire that came in... Uh, Mostly through the front tire and uh, my, my
3: position in the vehicle uh, resulted in just the burns. On the driver's side, uh, there's a hole that actually blew in, uh, separated the layers of glass, uh, the plastics in between.
0: Though nearly completely destroyed, the up-armored Humvee saved the lives of John and four other Marines in the vehicle. Myself and my crew are living proof. This armor is uh, helping us out here win this war. They're definitely working. It's
6: saved my life. We were driving in a track, and we were heading to our objective, and I remember almost saying that we were almost there, and it was going to be a pretty easy day, actually, for us.
0: Three days into Operation Matador, elements of 3rd Battalion 2nd Marines moved into a small hamlet near al Lance Corporal Mark Camp was with Lima Company 325, a reserve rifle company out of Ohio.
6: I was on security, so I'm like, my head's sticking out of the track, you know, they got the hatch opened up, and they got a weapon up there.
0: Lieutenant Paul
7: Croom was riding with them. I was sitting on the right side of the vehicle, second
0: from the rear. The AAV was taking a route that had been heavily traveled that day, but this time, it struck a mine. Just all of a sudden, it's boom.
7: And the vehicle flew up into the air. It got orange inside, a bright orange, and then it got really dark and uh, smoky. It was I just I was on fire.
4: And I just remember screaming, hearing everybody else screaming.
0: The battalion sergeant
4: major sprang into action.
5: This is inside the vehicle, sir.
4: Everybody jumps in because they care about their fellow comrade in arms and they just want to be in there helping out.
5: Doc, you got any more water Gerald? Hey, who else needs help?
7: I exited the vehicle and I heard these explosions, what we call cooking off. The AAVs carry all kinds of ordnance, 40 millimeter grenades, 50 millimeter uh, machine gun shells. The rounds started cooking off. The heat was so intense that all of those rounds were exploding really quickly.
6: Probably the most disturbing thing I've ever personally seen in my life.
0: Fighting against time, soldiers, sailors, and Marines race to save their comrades. That's next on War Stories.
7: That's me and the corpsman working on that other Marine. And you can kind of see little furrows in the ground. It's about as good a cover as you
0: could find. 11 May, Al Qaim around. For Lieutenant Paul Kroon, Lance Mark Camp, and the other Marines in the burning AAV, the struggle is now for survival.
7: I had goggles on and I had gloves on. Uh, the goggles, I guess the heat kind of got behind the goggles close to my eyes, so I tore those off immediately.
6: Somebody ended up getting the door open to the back of the track, and they just, people were just diving out of it.
7: Once I got out, I looked at my arms, and I was missing a lot of skin on my arms. But again, the pain wasn't there, so my reaction was, well, I, I can still fight, so...
0: No, let's go do what we need to do. The Marines and their Navy corpsmen raced to save their comrades.
6: I just remember people grabbing me right there and carrying me off. They cut off my camis. That's when I realized I had a shrapnel wound in my leg.
0: Two U.S. Army Blackhawks from the 571st Medical Company lifted off from the base at al The dust-off crews flew straight to the scene. Approximately seven minutes after we received the call, both aircraft are in
7: the air and on the way to the site. It felt like they were on site. Almost right after it happened. As we approached the zone, we could see the smoke from the burning vehicle.
3: CWT Roder, who was on the controls at the time, began the descent
8: rapidly. Normally, we'll do a flyby to evaluate it, check for wires, obstacles, hazards. Uh, but at that time, it was such a big thing, and they had so many wounded at the time. We didn't. We just came straight in and landed. And uh, we,
3: we were the second ones in the LZ. You could see the extra rounds and the and the, the track going off all
2: over the place. It was pretty intense
5: first thing I do when I get out of the ground is I'm automatically assessing the situation. The Marines will supply the litter bearers, I'll
6: point to the aircraft, and they know what to do. They loaded you up on your cot, and they had a series of racks where they could load you up, kind of like uh, a chow hall or something with dinner trays. The most seriously injured, I like to on top left or top
5: right,
3: so it's easiest for me to work on. And the uh, crew chief. He's making sure that none of the Marines will accidentally run into the tail rotor.
1: We had the tail of the one aircraft facing the, um, the side of the, or the loading zone of the other aircraft and it's really a dangerous area to be near the tail. Get out. Get out of the
7: way! We picked up
8: three on the first one, three
7: very urgent casualties. And the aircraft behind us picked up six casualties. They pulled me
0: over in a stretcher and I was off. Despite heroic efforts, six Marines perished that day, all six from Lima Company 325. Though mourning their fallen comrades, Operation Matador wasn't over. The sweep to the Syrian border continued. Kilo Company, including Lieutenant Joseph Plummy and Staff Sergeant Jeffrey Schwartzentruber still had a mission.
3: Our mission was to gain a foothold into old Ubaidi to disrupt the insurgent movement.
0: Sergeant Schwartzentruber, what information did you have at the squad level about the enemy?
3: We had the uh, intel reports of the uh, possible dug-in fighting positions, IEDs in place, as well as uh, mass movement of uh, possible weapons caches. The task was to gain a foothold on the building to enable our other squads to seize that foothold. I maneuvered in with third squad. Uh, we fired into the building.
1: Hey, watch this side right there.
3: The building was locked. We threw a, a breaching charge on a door, which it takes the door down and then it also kills any booby traps or insurgents.
7: Back up, we're gonna
5: blow the door. Back up, secure get around the corner, get around the corner.
0: Once inside, the Marines went room to room searching for the enemy. Operation Matador netted 125 enemy combatants killed and dozens more detained
3: five detainees brought in by Black Knight.
0: They're
5: interviewed for intelligence value and for prosecution in the courts that are actually run by Iraqis.
1: So he doesn't
3: know anything about the IED found in his house? Okay, so he's saying all that stuff was one chemical mask? That's what what he said. They found his house. Got it.
0: After seven tough days, the mission was accomplished. Nine Marines made the ultimate sacrifice, eight of them from one company, Lima, 3rd Battalion, 25th Marines. They took the enemy face on. They fought the enemy
3: face on. They kicked doors in. They killed the surgeons. I couldn't ask for more. I'm very proud to have Lima 325 by our side. The morale this battalion is very high. We've seen some, a lot of stuff in the past seven days. We've seen Marines killed. We've seen Marines lo- wounded. If you went up to a landscape right here now with everything they saw and say, Hey, would you like to go home today? They would say no.
0: On 15 May, the soldiers, sailors, and Marines in al held a memorial service for their fallen comrades.
8: Oh. Standing here before us are nine helmets. Empty shells reminding us of the men who wore them. May our time here this evening be a fitting tribute to each of them as we remember the height of their honor, the depth of their courage, and the breadth of their commitment.
0: We'll return to the heroes of Operation Matador later in this program. Young Americans are still called upon to sacrifice for freedom, but now they're joined by Iraqis, who put their lives on the line to help secure their country's future. Meet a new generation of Iraqis, When War Stories Returns. terrorists no longer go head-to-head against coalition forces. They've changed tactics, increasingly setting their sights on Iraqi citizens. We call them Munafakim instead of Mujahideen. Mujahideen
3: means holy warrior. Munafakim means uh, heretic or uh, hypocrite. And that's what we call them because they're not holy warriors.
0: Since January 2004, terrorists have killed over 12,000 Iraqi citizens, over 700 during our most recent month-long visit. Often, the new Iraqi security forces are the target. But the Iraqi forces are fighting back. They led an operation to free the Australian hostage, Douglas Wood.
1: The Iraqi force did a very good job me.
8: These guys are incredibly brave. They're, they're risking a lot, not only for themselves, but a lot of times their families as well. They want the foreign fighters out. They want the terrorism to stop. They want the killing of their own people to stop.
0: The bravery of the local troops is well known to Marine Lieutenant Colonel Scott Walker, He's the senior advisor for the Second Brigade of the Iraqi Security Forces, or ISF. War Stories visited the brigade headquarters in Fallujah. Okay, okay, thank All you, right. my buddy. Shukran. You've got a brigade here. Roughly, how many soldiers?
8: The brigade consists of three battalions. Right now, we approximately stand at 1,800 soldiers.
0: Walker and his advisors work closely with the brigade sergeant major Abduraza. Would you speak? like We have in the brigade, is that right? The sergeant major is somebody you work with regularly. Absolutely. Sergeant major. Yes, sir. How are your soldiers? Well. Good soldiers? Yes, he's very good soldiers. Out on patrol, war stories saw their professionalism firsthand.
4: The purpose of this patrol is to find things that are out of the ordinary, specifically IEDs or any any kind of small weapons cache that uh, the insurgents would be trying to use against us. Iraqi partners they live here so they can point out
3: things that are out of the ordinary a lot faster than we can
0: local knowledge of the neighborhood can provide valuable intelligence lieutenant colonel Smith recalled how an Iraqi soldier questioned a suspicious man or military aged male he says uh,
3: well I own a, a shop on 17th Street and the guy says really which one he says, why well, I own a hardware store really well I'm from 17th Street and there's no hardware store there get out of the car I I will never ever have that information.
7: I think that the Marines realize that as hard as they work and as smart as they are, they will never be able to identify people or activities that may be questionable, like someone that is Iraqi will be able to do it.
0: On this operation, the Iraqis found three men, partially clad in military uniforms.
8: Yes, there were uh, three individuals just here, usually have a problem with scrappers scrounging out of the ruins. They were in partially military uniform with uh, military ID, but um, they shouldn't be here off the, off their camp, especially without weapons or any kind of leadership. You can collect ID cards if you need to. Let's try and find out where their weapons are at as well. We took their IDs and their uniform tops in case they are UA soldiers or AWOL soldiers well, And. Uh, I told them to go see their commander. That way if it pans out that they are in active status, a a good soldier, they can get their belongings back. The individual actions of the basic soldier are extremely good. Uh, The Marines are always pleased when they go on patrol.
0: From his base in northern Fallujah, Colonel Jassim commands the 2nd Battalion of the 2nd Brigade. My soldiers
6: receive good training, both from the Marines and from the experience they have working on the streets here in Fallujah.
8: What we do is we try and sit down with them and get them to see how we do things in the Marine Corps and the American military and try and get that to transcend to where they do
0: it for themselves.
7: No PKC or choice.
0: Their job is dangerous, as 1st Sergeant John Halpin is well aware. A lot of times someone cannot
4: go home because uh, of the threats for their families, so they don't go home
8: just to protect their family. But you got to think that's a pretty, pretty great sacrifice for their
3: country.
6: Terrorists are terrorists no matter where you go. Here in Iraq, many are former Saddam loyalists, but many now come from different neighboring countries.
3: If I'm out in an Iraqi police post or an Iraqi army post, and there's me and three, three Americans and 30 Iraqis, I am comfortable
8: with that. I truly feel, and... I think all the other advisors that you've talked to say the same thing. These guys will accept you into the unit. It's almost like you're a family member, and I'm very confident they'll, they will look out for us and nothing happen to us.
0: Iraqis and American troops have made great progress in Fallujah. But Ramadi, the capital of Al Anbar province, remains a dangerous challenge. There's more war stories from Iraq. Don't go away. In western Iraq, the provincial capital of Ramadi remains rested. It's a major stop on the terrorist rat lines from Syria and a hard target for those opposed to democracy.
3: We just had a provincial council that was seated and they're functioning. I know because I uh, assist Iraqis in guarding that uh, provincial council building.
0: We're on top of the government center in Ramadi, Iraq, surrounded by half a million sandbags, all of them filled by U.S. Marines, then hauled up three stories to the top of this building to protect them. From indirect fire and snipers that surround this building, Ramadi uh, has never been a quiet, nice neighborhood. Lieutenant Colonel Smith's 1st Battalion, 5th Marines share responsibility for security in Ramadi with Army Lieutenant Colonel Justin Gubler's 1st to the 503rd, known as
1: the Rock. This is uh, the home of Task Force Rock. It's the first of 503rds, one of three outposts that we live at, and uh, we control East Ramadi from this location. Task Force has soldiers, airmen, Marines, and sailors. We can drive the violence down to a level that's manageable, but uh, we can't do it all without the Iraqi people.
0: When an Iraqi civilian tipped off the Marines to an impending attack in Ramadi, an unmanned aerial vehicle was sent up. It caught this suicide truck bomb as it careened toward a checkpoint. Before it could be interdicted, it blew up. Later the Marines acquired this video footage, taken by the terrorists, showing the same enormous explosion.
2: Ramadi is dangerous with IEDs and foreign fighters, but now that we Iraqi forces work together with the Americans, we've been able to catch many of the enemy.
0: Colonel Ahmed and his commandos are part of the 1st Battalion, 4th Brigade. Not unlike cops on the beat, they patrol neighborhoods with Major James Young, who heads up the Special Police Transition Team.
8: Our mission really is to to provide assistance, to advise uh, the chain of command on how to sustain operations and function independently of
2: coalition units.
0: Colonel, are these American advisors a help to you and your commandos?
2: Yes. They train all our soldiers and we share all of our missions with them on the streets in Ramadi. The American soldiers help us a lot. They are
6: very professional and we learn a lot from them.
2: They run uh, entry control points
8: and really what that is are traffic control points. They search them check credentials, IDs,
2: that kind of stuff, as well as they also check vehicular traffic. The police commandos in my company are trained, and now they have some experience fighting.
3: All the Iraqi soldiers that come here have received initial training, but the initial training they receive is severely limited with respect to firing, live fire, ammunition on a range.
0: Lieutenant yeah, Dave Denial is responsible for training Iraqi troops.
3: We're trying to integrate them into our daily operations as a battalion. In order to do that, the Marines here at Camp Ali have to form a cohesive bond with the Iraqi soldiers.
1: We got some ISF attachments with us uh, today. Just gonna help us out, gonna conduct some searches on the uh, trucks with them as well.
4: They they notice a little bit more than we do. The Iraqis that we operated with were top notch. They uh, did everything we asked of them. I see them invaluable as far as intel collecting, being able to spot guys that just don't belong in the neighborhood. Whenever we stop the vehicle, they're going to get the driver out, have the driver open up all the doors, all the compartments, the hood, the trunk, everything.
8: We have the ISF or IPs up there with us, and they'll pick guys out from uh, the vehicle search area that they know or that they uh, have heard are
0: really bad guys. The terrorists are hell-bent on exploiting tribal and religious differences.
2: There is no difference between Sunni and Shiite. We are all Muslim. We are brothers here. I don't think the terrorists can separate us and make us into two groups, one that hates the other.
0: What motivates a young Iraqi to join the commandos? Most of them want the same thing we do. They want to
8: be able to provide for their families. They want a place to call their home. They want a peaceful environment in order to live very similar to the things that we cherish back in the United States.
1: Good.
0: On this day, B Company, first of the 503rd, is searching for terrorist propaganda. An Iraqi informant told the Americans that an individual in this house is distributing video of bombings and attacks on U.S. troops.
6: Where's the guy at? Where's the guy at?
7: They had uh, CDs, video CDs that had terrorist acts on them.
0: Uh, car bombs blowing up on the uh, marine checkpoints and at various points in Iraq. This war on terror is fought on many fronts, from gunfights to the internet. On this raid, they didn't catch the mastermind, but they did find the terrorist materials he left behind.
1: The uh, criminal element is an important part of the insurgency, and they'll, they'll thrive off any kind of chaos, wherever there's a lack of order, they'll use that and take advantage to do all their criminal activity and make make money.
0: Ramadi is not nearly as violent as it once was, but as this raid by the 1st Battalion, 503rd Infantry will attest, it's yet to become the peaceful capital of Al Anbar, Iraq's largest province. More when War Stories returns. After the war, here in the village of Saqlawiya near Fallujah, Iraq's future greets Marines and Iraqi forces with smiles. The citizens in Fallujah are tired of the insurgents running their lives. They want their city back. They want their lives back. Rebuilding the country is an immensely difficult task. Major Chris Phelps of the 5th civil affairs group literally has to win the hearts and minds of local citizens. And here, it's working. Everything that we do, whether it be a combat patrol
4: or a civil military operations patrol, we do everything jointly with the Iraqi
8: security forces. We've developed a working relationship with them that uh, is is great. And
0: uh, we look forward to working with them and having them on patrols with us. Marines and Iraqi troops set out on a foot patrol into sac Their mission? make a bunch of little kids very happy. Yaldar Elementary School is undergoing renovation, and for the first time in years, it has running water.
4: 200 students will now go home and talk to hopefully 400 parents, and I hope that they think, you know what? Those Americans aren't so bad. The multinational
5: forces, especially the the American forces, because what I know I'm working with them, Uh, What they are doing to my country is helping the people a lot.
0: Mustafa is a translator for the 5th Civil Affairs Group. Most of the Iraqis suffered too much
5: about uh, the old regime because nobody was caring about them. What all the Marines doing here uh, is really great and uh, it's a step forward, not like before All the steps was backwards.
8: It's good to see the progress that you make, even though maybe an inch at a time, really impacts
4: people directly, and you can see the result of that impact.
0: We also went to the local clinic. There we spoke with Dr. Ayad. He's been working with the Marines for over a year. What did the Marines come here to do today? They bring for
7: us uh, four drums for uh, trash and biohazard material. Uh, dispose uh, disposal and they bring an uh, advertisement board to be in communicate with the people and uh, we suggest to put it in the health center because uh,
0: people will come to the health center and can read this advertisement the people of Saqlawiya will now have information on the clinic as well as efforts being made by coalition forces to help rebuild
4: we thought um, what a great opportunity to disseminate information between the Iraqis and ourselves so um People come to the medical clinic and uh, they're going to read it, so it's
0: going to be a good thing. What's your greatest need in this hospital? Uh,
7: In this area, we need to upgrade this uh, health center because this area is a very wide area, about uh,
0: 40,000 persons in it. But even humanitarian work can be dangerous.
8: The contract was to clean one of the main roads in between here uh, and between Fallujah and Baghdad to clear out all the debris, the rubble, the trash and everything. And about halfway through the contract, the workers said some insurgents uh, came up to them and said, don't you work with the Americans and threaten them. And then uh, I think it was the following day, the insurgents came back again and just did a drive by, shot a few rounds out.
0: Mustafa, are you concerned that you could be targeted by the terrorists for working with the Marines?
5: Absolutely, yes. I know that. But if I will keep Putting that in my mind, my, uh, my country will, will go back again and suffer too much. So I don't want it to give the tourism this opportunity to do, it, uh, to do what Saddam did to my country before.
0: Mustafa is quite a translator. Isn't he? he is incredible. The man is unbelievable.
6: My soldiers want more training, have more control over the city and help rebuild
1: their country. My definition of success and that I've communicated to all my men is that uh, the Iraqi people have some level of trust and confidence in us that we'll treat them fairly. And number two, the Iraqi security force that we're paired with can operate independently. They take ownership of Iraqi land back under Iraqi control.
0: Colonel, do your commandos have a vision for the future of Iraq?
2: They are all Iraqi citizens and want their country to have a good future. We are fighting here because we want our children and grandchildren to have safe lives. We need to
5: defeat the terrorists and live in peace. You're a brave man.
0: There's more war stories from Iraq just ahead. Don't go away. At the end of a mission, the troops take time to clean their weapons and unwind.
4: I ain't got nothing against rock and roll.
0: Sometimes to the tune of good old American country. For others, completing the mission requires more time. After being wounded in the AAV explosion, Lieutenant Paul Croom and Lance Corporal Mark Camp were flown first to Germany, then to the burn center at Brooke Army Medical Center at Fort Sam Houston, Texas.
6: I think when I was in Germany, they closed up my, trapped my woman on my leg. And my hands, they, uh, when I got here, they did skin grafts, took it from my thigh. And, uh, that's really it. My face was kind of burned up in a second-degree burn. Defense Corporal Camp is healing very well. The burns to his face will not require any type of grafting and are are healing very well. He's already undergone extensive of uh, and grafting. Oh, it's doing great. I mean, it's uh, night and day from, seeming like a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago. You know, a lot of motion, I can move it. It uh, doesn't hurt as much. He's an example of a young man who was severely injured, but showed a, a remarkable response to treatment and is recovering very well and very rapidly. Their camaraderie is outstanding, and it truly does aid in their ability to recover and it is an extension of the same uh, esprit de corps that they show together in the the combat environment.
7: Most of them are in real good spirits, they're doing the best they can to heal up, following all the doctor's uh, instructions they're happy to be alive, grieving for their
0: lost comrades. For others, the end of a mission means remembering those who made the ultimate sacrifice. In Operation Matador, it was nine Marines. Lieutenant John Anderson, chaplain for 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines, remembers the fallen.
8: This memorial service is going to serve as a fitting tribute to the nine men who gave their lives during Operation Matador. It's a chance to say goodbye in a fitting in proper manner, in a way that uh, honors them for the life that they lived and the sacrifice that they gave. Her steps say goodbye. Uh, these men are, are, are heroes in their lives and in their deaths.
6: Just a shame. That's all I can really say, boss. It, shame. They're good guys. All people had a lot to, you know, a lot to look forward to in their lives. Not one of them was a, a coward either. You know, there wasn't anybody trying to hide?
7: They were. Outstanding Marines, all of them, and, uh, you know, they, they did make the ultimate sacrifice.
0: Democracy is not yet flourishing in Iraq, but as you've seen tonight, the Iraqis are starting to take charge of their own destiny, electing a new government, volunteering to serve, and standing up to terror, all vital to a free nation. And all of that thanks to the sacrifices of American soldiers, sailors, airmen, guardsmen and marines theirs is a war story that deserves to be told i'm oliver north good night